0: I wonder how many of you have heard of the name of a Hollywood producer named Kevin Feige. He's one of the most influential people in Hollywood. If you've not heard of his name, you might have heard of the sort of area he's responsible for, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you don't know what that is, uh, it's basically the people who are responsible for flooding society with superhero movies. Not all superhero movies, just the really good ones. Um, But the reason why uh, Kevin Feige is such an interesting person, he's sort of the executive producer, he's the mastermind behind all of those Marvel movies. The reason he's such an interesting person is that he's pulled off what nobody in Hollywood has ever done and I don't think even tried to do before, meaning... Marvel Studios has produced, I think, I believe to this count, 20 movies, still counting, and although each one of those 20 movies has its own individual themes and ideas, directors and all of those things, those 20 movies are all telling one story. And this producer who is standing behind all of them has found a way to weave all those individual stories together into one big storyline which is culminating in the Avengers Infinity War two-part series. It's really a, it's a pretty amazing thing to see. What's really amazing about it is it's just a tiny, tiny taste of what God does every day. That what God is doing, often behind the scenes, is he is creating billions of individual stories. Your story... My story, he's writing the stories of people throughout this world. And while at the same time each individual story has its own arc, its own trajectory, its own things that are going on, somehow God is weaving all of these individual stories together into one coherent, beautiful narrative. This week... We've arrived at the point in Mark's gospel where we're at the turning point of the grand narrative. The great story that God is telling. It's not the climax that we're at. The climax of the story is when Jesus returns. The turning point of the narrative of human history is the resurrection of Jesus. That's the passages that were read to us this morning. Uh, by Micah and Alyssa from the Gospel of Mark. Now I'm going to ask you to do something a little different today. I'm not going to tell you not to take out your Bibles because that would be sacrilegious. But I'm going to tell you that what we're going to do today is we're going to look at some big picture kinds of things, which means we're not going to be looking at any particular text in great detail You heard the two texts read this morning, the burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And what I'd like to do today is show how, since we're at this point, of the turning point of human history and the story and how it changes, what I'd like to do is walk through that story. It's also appropriate to do that because today is our last week in a sermon series that we've been doing for the past 14 months or so, in the books of Ruth, Esther, and Mark. And we have the chance, as we finish this series, to look back and understand how those stories led us to the resurrection, and how the resurrection points us forward to the stories that God is writing today, in your life and in mine. To summarize where we've been in our sermon series, there's no better thing to do than to look just one more time at the benediction that we say every week. And I'm wondering, would you say this aloud with me? May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The first part of that benediction is a verse from the first book we looked at, the book of Ruth. And the point of that verse is, is that when you and I come to take refuge under God, meaning when we come to trust God, when we are walking with God through the journey of life, there is going to be great blessing. May he richly reward you that what God has promised is in the workings of life. As we trust in him, we will experience blessing. The second half of our benediction is a verse from the Gospel of Mark, the last book in the sermon series that we've been doing. And what that verse teaches us is, even the Son of Man, as he trusted in the Father, was asked to walk a difficult road. It was not simply a road just full of blessing. It was a road of service and of sacrifice and of hardship. He gave his life as a ransom for many. So if I'm going to summarize for you the big idea of our benediction and the big idea of the sermon series that we've been in for the past 14 months and really the big idea of the story that God is telling throughout history, it would be this. When you trust in God, You will often find yourself walking a hard road, but God will lead you through that road to a place of great blessing and hope and a spot in the story. Let me say that again. as you trust in God, You will often find yourself on a hard road. But God will lead you through that road to a place of great blessing and hope and a spot in the story that he's writing. Let me show you how that works by looking back where we've been as we've gone through the books of Ruth and now the Gospel of Mark. We start in the book of Ruth, which is a book about three major characters. The first is a woman named Naomi. Naomi did indeed have a hard road to walk. She was a widow. And not only was she a widow, she lost her two sons. They both died, leaving her without any children, and without a husband. Her road was difficult because she was living at the time in the country of Moab, which is a different country from Israel. And she decides she needs to return home because she is certain that God is picking on her, that God has made her life miserable, and so she figures, why not be miserable back among a people that I know? And so she goes back to the town of Bethlehem where she's from. And part of the difficult road she's been asked to walk is she has to go back to Bethlehem essentially feeling like a failure with nothing of value and thinking that God is against her. She also has with her her daughter-in-law, Ruth, which at first seems like that might be a good thing, but from Naomi's point of view, because she's mired in bitterness... Because of her bitter circumstances, she's not all that excited about bringing bringing this foreign daughter-in-law, this Moabite daughter-in-law with her. Naomi's got a hard road. God's asked her to deal with loss. She's not going to get her husband or her two children back. It's a hard road. But by the end of the story of Ruth, here's Naomi with a beautiful grandbaby boy that she gets to raise like her own son. She's in a place of respect in the city of Bethlehem where people honor her and her faith. And this daughter-in-law, Ruth, that she didn't think was such a great thing, Ruth treats her better than seven sons would. Naomi had a hard road. But God walked with her on that road and led her to a place of great blessing and hope. The second major character in the book of Ruth is that daughter-in-law, Ruth. Ruth also had a very hard road to walk. Ruth herself is a widow. In addition to that, when Naomi is leaving to go back to Israel, Ruth is now faced with a very difficult choice. Does she stay in her home country of Moab where she knows and understands the culture and the people? Or does she go with this mother-in-law, Naomi, who has a connection to the living God of the universe? Ruth chooses to go with her mother-in-law, but is asked to walk the hard road of being a foreigner, living amongst the Jewish people. In addition to that, when she arrives, she is the poorest of the poor, And she's forced to essentially beg in order to have enough food to be able to eat. The man that she falls in love with doesn't have the courage to propose to her. And so she has to propose to him. And then she has to wait while God works out all the tanglements so that marriage can happen. It's a hard road. But by the end of the book of Ruth... Ruth is married to a godly man who loves her. She has a beautiful baby boy. She is accepted and welcomed into the town of Bethlehem where she is now living. Ruth had to walk a hard road, but God walked with her through it, and she ended up in a place of great blessing and hope. The third character in the book of Ruth is a man named Boaz. That's Ruth's husband. Boaz, too, had a difficult road to walk. Boaz was asked by God to be generous to the poor, even when everyone around him is not, meaning all the competition. They're not giving away anything to the poor, but Boaz is trying to do the right thing. That's a difficult way to run your business. He also is given the hard task of being the kinsman redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, meaning... At great cost to himself financially and socially, he's asked to step in and rescue these two women. It's a hard road. But by the end of the story, Boaz is married to this amazing woman, Ruth, who he says could have run after richer or younger men and chose him instead. He's got this amazing baby boy and the legacy at an age in which he didn't think that was going to be possible anymore. Boaz had a hard road, but God walked, him with, God walked with him through that hard road to a place of great blessing and hope. Now, the individual stories of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz are part of a larger story of what we're reading in the book of Ruth, And that's the story of the lineage of a savior. The amazing thing is in their separate journeys, Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi, in their hard road and in their blessing, they're being woven together into a single story in the sense that all three of these, the blessing that they get in addition to a baby and to life and to respect and to love, is they enter into the genealogy of king david they get a place in david's story the greatest king in israel's history but far more important than that they get a spot in the lineage of jesus the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that what the Lord is up to is in their individual stories, he is bringing them together into the bigger story of the book of Ruth, which is about how God is preparing a savior to come to rescue. Well, from the book of Ruth, we moved to the book of Esther. The book of Esther has two main characters. The first is a man named Mordecai. Mordecai is a Jewish person living in captivity in the Persian Empire. He has a hard road to walk. Because in that Persian Empire, Mordecai runs across a man named Haman. Haman is an enemy of God. And Mordecai recognizes that Haman refuses to honor God. And so Mordecai refuses to honor Haman. The problem is Haman is in second in command, essentially, in the Persian Empire. And so Haman decides he wants to kill Mordecai. And more than that, he wants to eradicate the Jewish people. That's a hard road to walk. But by the end of the story of the book of Esther, it's Mordecai who's in second in command in the Persian Empire. It's Mordecai who has been vindicated and honored. And all the Jewish people honored Mordecai because he was actively serving them. Mordecai had a hard road, but God led him safely through to a place of great blessing and hope. The second major character in the book of Esther is Mordecai's niece, Esther. She too has a difficult road to walk. She ends up the victim of sexual harassment and objectification, When she becomes queen, she's asked by the Lord to stand up for her people and go and speak to the king, even though it could have meant death for her. And she's asked to reveal what she had kept secret, which is her Jewish identity, which would have placed her among the people who were scheduled to be annihilated. It's a hard road to walk. But by the end of the story of Esther... Esther is queen of Persia, respected and loved by her husband, the king, and by all the Jewish people that she helped bring about and save. Esther was asked to walk a hard road, but God walked that road with her and at the end led her to a place of great blessing and hope. The stories of Esther and Mordecai, those individual stories, are also being woven together in a bigger story in the book of Esther. And that's the story of God's power to save a nation. Ruth is about the lineage of a savior. Esther is about the fact that this God who is bringing a savior can save an entire people. The entire Jewish race was due to be annihilated. God stepped in and not only rescued every one of them, He led many Persians and other people to faith in him while he did it. And in the book of Esther, we have thousands of people who come to know and believe in God because of his work in saving the Jewish people. That leads us to the book that we've been in for the longest and most recently, and that's the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, there are two major characters. The first is the person of Jesus. Jesus, in his trust in God the Father, was asked to walk the hard road. We looked at that last week. The rejection, the death, the mocking, the crucifixion, God turning his back on him. Every shred of dignity or respect stripped from him. It was the hard road. But at the end of the road, as we heard read this morning, God did not abandon Jesus to the grave, but instead raised him to new life and has seated him at the right hand of the Father on high and that God the Father has given to Jesus all authority and all honor and all glory and a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord forever and ever. Jesus walked the hard road, but God did not abandon him, and he led Jesus safely through to a place of great blessing and hope. The other major character in the book of Mark is actually a group of characters, it's the disciples. And you heard a couple of their stories read this morning, when Micah and Alyssa read our scripture passages for us. They too had some hard roads. The first was Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea was asked by God to go and ask Pilate for Jesus' body after he'd been crucified. The scripture that we read this morning actually tells us it took a lot of courage to do this. Why? Joseph is going to ask the people who crucified Jesus if he could have Jesus' body, meaning I'm with that guy. Which puts himself potentially as an enemy to Rome and to the Jewish leaders. It's a hard road to walk. But the end of that road... Joseph of Arimathea had the privilege of burying Jesus' body in his tomb. Imagine the honor. We don't know about Jer- anything else about Joseph of Arimathea, but this one act puts him in the story. Everybody knows who Joseph of Arimathea is because God led him on a hard road, but at the other end of that hard road was a place of great blessing and hope likewise we heard about three women mary mary and salome who were asked to walk a hard road as well in the resurrection of jesus these three women were given the assignment of being the first people to announce that jesus is raised we know it's a hard road because mark tells us they were trembling and bewildered and terribly afraid. But we also know that God did not abandon them in that hard road. That he led them safely through to the point where, even though Mark doesn't tell us this portion of the story, Jesus appears to these three women and gives them the courage so that they become the first people to bear witness to the resurrection. And Mary, Mary, and Salome Had to walk a hard road. But God was with them through it. And in the end, they ended up in a place of great blessing and hope. And Joseph of Arimathea, Mary, Mary, and Salome, Jesus, Peter, James, John, the rest of the disciples in the Gospel of Mark are part of a bigger story. Their individual stories are being woven together into a greater story, which is a story of God's desire and ability To save the whole world. That in Ruth, God was preparing a savior. In Esther, God was showing his love and power to save a nation. And in the gospel of Mark, the story expands further until we realize that this same God who prepared a savior and saved a nation has set his heart on rescuing people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation on earth. And that somehow the stories of Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, Mordecai, Esther, Jesus, Joseph, Mary, Mary, Salome, and more are all part of a grand narrative that God is telling to rescue the whole world. But what about us? Where do we fit in the story? I think it's so interesting that Mark chooses to end his gospel... In verse 8 of chapter 16 where he says, Trembling and bewildered, the women laughed and said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. You're like, well, that's not a happy ending. Why would anybody end their gospel that way? Mark ended it that way because the story's not over. The story's not over. There are still more disciples to talk about. Who? You and me. There's still more stories left to be written. We do know that it ends well for those three women. We don't know it in Mark's gospel. Why? Because it takes faith to believe that it's going to end in a place of blessing and hope. Mark ends his gospel on a hard road with those women. And the point is, is that we are asked to believe, you and I, that whatever road we're on, the difficulties of that road will end in a place of blessing and hope as we walk with the Lord through them. And that this is actually the same story that's being written in our lives. I think I've told you uh, multiple times in the past that a number of years ago, the Lord burdened my heart for the community in which I grew up and in which I now live. And that there are lots of people that I went to school with or live around who don't know Jesus. And a number of years ago, the Lord said to me and guided me and impressed upon me that I needed to start a Bible study, an evangelistic Bible study for those people, friends, or other people in the in the city of East Grand Rapids in which we live. I think I've told you, and if I haven't, I'll tell you again that was terrifying to me but in the Lord's grace uh, he encouraged me to do it and so trusting him uh, a friend and I sent out an email inviting people to come to just a meeting a breakfast meeting in which we were going to talk about the possibility of doing a Bible study I remember that meeting very well it took place at the omelet shop in Breton Village it was a breakfast meeting I remember showing up there now mind you Each one of the people has an email saying this meeting is about the possibility of doing a Bible study. Still, when I get, oh, and by the way, they all know I'm a pastor. They all know this is what I do for a living. You would think, well, this is going to be easy. I show up there and I think to myself, I don't think I can do this. And so we show up and we all know each other. So there's small talk and the small talk goes for 15 minutes and then a half hour And then 45, we've ordered our food by this point. We're eating. People are almost done. And I'm thinking to myself, I I don't think I can do this. (laughs) Now, everyone knows why we're there. They're all waiting. Are you going to say something? (laughs) And only the sheer embarrassment of having sent an email about a Bible study and then never mentioning the Bible study moved me forward to finally mention the name of Jesus. It was a hard road. But I'm going to testify that God walked me through that. And at the other end was a place of great blessing and hope. To see people who I never thought would come to faith come to faith. To see God do amazing things in a community that I thought wanted nothing to do with God. Everybody needs Jesus. It's the same story. And the really great thing was to realize, you see that pyramid that's going the opposite? That I get a place in that story. That what God was doing individually in my life is part of this bigger narrative of what he's doing. That Jesus' resurrection is the turning point of all things. But what about you? This week is City Fest. We've spent the past two or three years praying and planning and working and trying to get this evangelistic opportunity together. There are other ways to do evangelism, but this is a way. And this week, there's gonna be a women's luncheon and a business person's luncheon and big uh, festival events on Saturday and Sunday, an opportunity for people in Grand Rapids to hear about Jesus. Maybe God's impressing upon your heart that you need to invite somebody to that. And maybe like me, you're afraid. You're afraid of what they're gonna say. You're afraid of what they're gonna think. You're going to afraid they're going to say no. Maybe you're afraid they'll come. (laughs) Trust me, I know how fear works. But the point is, to trust in God is to be asked to walk a hard road. It's okay that you're scared. It's okay that it's hard. It's okay that it feels debilitating. But the good news is, God will walk with you through that road and on the other side is blessing and hope. I don't know what form that might take. You might invite a friend to come to something and they may say no. People said no to Jesus all the time. You might invite the friend to come and they say they're going to come and then don't show up. People stood Jesus up all the time. You might invite them to come and they listen and they make fun of it. People made fun of Jesus all the time. You might invite them to come and they hear and they might come to faith. I don't know what the uh, outcome will be, but I guarantee you this at the end of the hard road is a place of great blessing and hope. That's how the story goes. You'll take your place in this story. And that the same thing God did for Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and Mordecai and Esther and Jesus and Joseph and Mary and Mary and Salome and for me, he'll do for you. And that if you're willing to go with him on this road, it is a hard road. No one is pretending it's easy. But the good news is, what is waiting for you, guaranteed, is blessing and hope. And it's not just about evangelism. This is our last week in a sermon series on Ruth, Esther, and Mark. Next week, we start a sermon series on Isaiah. I'm willing to be honest with you and tell you up front publicly, I'm kind of nervous about this sermon series in Isaiah. Isaiah is a tough book. Have you tried reading it? It's tricky to read, it looks tricky to preach. Ruth, Esther, and Mark seem much easier to read, much more enjoyable to read, much easier to preach. But in Isaiah are some of the greatest passages in all the Bible. And so I don't know how it's gonna turn out. I'm gonna just be very public and say that up front. By faith. By faith we're going on this journey and I know two things. One, it's gonna be hard. And two, at the other end is blessing and hope. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but that's how the story goes. That's what every one of these stories says. It's blessing and hope that's waiting on the other side of that hard road. That is the story. The question is, what about you? You're probably not a preacher, and so your assignment's probably not to preach the book of Isaiah. But what is it? Are you a student going back to school? And is God asking you to be involved in an extracurricular activity that you don't think you have the competency for? Has God asked you, as a racial or ethnic minority, to be part of a church or a business or a society that is predominantly white? Has God asked you, in your financial struggles, To give something sacrificial and you don't know where in the world the money's gonna come from for that? Have you been asked to walk a road of cancer or a difficult health diagnosis? Have you been asked in your older age to let go of some tasks, either mental or physical or social, that you used to do easily that you're not able to do anymore? You've been asked as a new believer to be willing to tell your family or your friends about the decision that you've made to follow Jesus? I don't know what your assignment is, but I guarantee you two things about it. Number one, it will be a hard road. It will be difficult. There will be fear, there'll be doubt, There'll be discouragement, there'll be setbacks, there'll be attacks, there'll be temptations. It will be a hard road. Even the son of man, the king of kings and the lord of lords, did not experience life where everything went well. He did not experience life where everybody served him. He did not experience life on this earth where it was just blessing to blessing, mountaintop to mountaintop, great experience to great experience. Even Jesus, the sinless, perfect son of God, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If it was hard for Jesus, it will be hard for you. I can't change that fact. All I can do is be honest with you to say, I guarantee you the assignment will be hard. But I can also guarantee you on the word of God and the testimony of history that God will lead you through that to a place of great blessing, and hope. For every fear, there is an empty grave. That Jesus' story did not end with his ransom and his service. It ended with his resurrection and his glorification. That he has ascended to heaven, has been given a name that is above every name. And the reason that is so, so important is because his story is our story. That is the promise of God. Listen, if God did not abandon Jesus... While Jesus was guilty for every sin you've ever committed, I've ever committed, anyone in the history of the world has ever committed, when he was guilty for all those sins, if God did not abandon him, he will not abandon you either. He will richly repay you. We say it every week. The God of Israel will richly repay you As you trust in him. So I don't know what your assignment is. I know what my assignment is. And I can see the hard road in front of me. I bet you can see the hard road in front of you too. But the story of Ruth, Esther, and Mark, the story of Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, Mordecai, Esther, Jesus, Joseph, Mary, Mary, Salome, Peter, James, John, and the rest the story that when you trust in God you will find yourself on a hard road but God will walk with you through that road to a place of great blessing and hope and you'll find yourself in the story and the pyramid continues to go out further and further and your name and my name takes its place up there of what it means to trust in a God will never fail us.